once more unto the breach. Welcome to Breathing Flames, the tabletop gaming podcast from IslayTheDragon.com. I'm John, also known as Farmer Lenny on Islay the Dragon, and today we'll be talking about our first five games. Ah, to be young again, and to experience anew that first encounter that showed us that board games are more than just rolling and moving and shouting at friends and family. Today we take a trip down memory lane as each of us reminisce about the first five games we owned in the hobby. Along with me tonight are fellow dragon slayers Alex. Hello. And Wolfie. Hello. So before we get into our first five, when when would you say you fell hard for the hobby? When did that happen for you? For me, it was 2010. And I distinctly remember that because it was the year I got married. And it was also the year a friend of mine from college who lives in Indianapolis invited me to come down to Gen Con. I was like, sure, that sounds like a fun thing that I know nothing about. And I had some taste of it previously with like Catan. You know, then I went to Gen Con and was like, whoa, there's so many board games. There's so many people who are into this. This is so cool. That's kind of kind of when it all started. What about you, Alex? I was actually living overseas in Korea at the time. This is about 10 years ago. And at that time, board game cafes were actually pretty popular. And my friend had taken me to one and we played a game of Blokus, Blaku, Blokus. And it was great. I loved it. I didn't know they were making board games still. And I went home that night. I stumbled upon board games with Scott's web series. And I must have watched 30 or 40 videos that night and just pining for what all, what these games were. And it was just a, just blew everything wide open. I didn't have the space to actually buy any of them because I was living in a tiny studio apartment. But as soon as I got home, I, I went crazy. All right. For me, I had just moved into a new town, and my roommates, uh, one of the ways that they spent time spent time together was playing Acquire. So in 2007, I played my first game of Acquire, and I realized, wow, I had played Catan before that. But it, for me, it was Acquire that really kind of blew everything wide open and made me want to keep playing. And I guess in 2010, around the same time Wolfie went to Gen Con, that's when I found someone who was actually interested in playing these games with me. <laughs> so that's when I started buying more games. But I guess it started in 2007 for me. So Wolfie, why don't we start with you? What were your first five games? How did they bring you into the hobby? Sure. So, I mean, technically speaking, in high school, I played Catan. Everybody played Catan. I had cousins who brought over this weird German game. And it was like, oh, that's cool. And uh, I played Hero Clicks with some of my friends. But I don't really consider that to be when I first got really into the tabletop hobby. That was more just kind of like, oh, this is a fun, nerdy thing. My friends are nerds. I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, shockingly, huh? Uh, we were so surprised when we found out. <laughs> but, so, as I mentioned, I went to Gen Con in 2010. There had been a game store in the mall near where I lived that we bought our hero clicks from. And then that store went out of business. And I had heard rumors of another game store. I'd heard of it, but 
never went there. But then after I went to Gen Con and I would kind of like discovered this world of like all kinds of different games and RPGs and Gen Con was like really like comparatively small back then. I think that in 2010, it was like 26,000 people and that was a record attendance year. And then it's just like gone crazy. So it like, wasn't that crowded at all. The building was like half the size back then. So after I went to Gen Con, I looked, I was like, all right, we got to go check out this game store. I looked it up on the internet, found it on the map, on Google maps. And we, we drove there and it was this like shabby looking tiny storefront that was kind of off-putting like it looked like it was going to be the size of a closet and there wasn't going to be much in there and we're like okay like somebody said this store was cool so we'll go in so we walked in and it was like the store was quite deep as far as like physical dimension it looked like this tiny little store we went in it was very large filled with all kinds of miniatures and RPG stuff and painting supplies and little like detailed miniature houses for your Dungeons and Dragons game. They had an entire section for Warhammer 40k and they had right in the middle, they had a shelf of probably about 200 board games. I knew nothing about board games at the time. Maybe at that time I had played Ticket to Ride and Kill Dr. Lucky with John lunch a couple times and we looked at the shelf. I remember saying like, there's so many games here. Like some of these have to be awesome. And so we just looked and we really just looked at the, the game covers. That's what we had to go on. And the game that stuck out to me was this little, little tiny game called Android. <laughs> And it looked super cool. It's like this like noir future cyberpunk thing, detective game where you're trying to solve this crime and you look at the back of the box and there's just like hundreds and hundreds of pieces and just all sorts of amazing looking art that was just so cool. It was mind blowing. It's just funny that, as your first choice, you gravitated toward possibly the most needlessly complex game on I, the shelves. I do not deny it. The game is so <laughs> complex. So anyway, I, I got this game. I didn't buy it right then because I didn't really have money. But I asked for it for my birthday and my I got it. And I convinced some people to play it. They had no idea what they were getting into. Uh, neither did I. That game takes like four to five to six hours to play. It's so long. It's a little bit tedious. It is very cool, though. I still think it's cool. I think it needs a second edition. I think all of the things that aren't cool about it could be fixed. I think it could be a a three-hour game that would be lots of fun to play and still kind of keep that the spirit of the game. So that was kind of my first game. I won't I won't tell as many as much of a story about the others. So this game store was it was it Games Plus and Mount Prospect? It, it was Games Plus and Mount Prospect. That store is just as you've described it. Yeah. And it's super intimidating and nerdy 
And so fortunately, me and my friends are super nerdy and like we're not turned off by like the ultra geekiness of it. Like I took my wife there once and she was just like, no, I'm not going to into the store again. Like it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. The staff isn't super like outgoing and friendly. Like they have a game room. They're nice people, but they're not the kind of people that are like, hey, come on in. Like, let us show you stuff. Like, let's teach you a game that you might actually like instead of just letting you stare at the shelf and pick out Android as your first game. <laughs> yes, they have a clientele and they know they know what that clientele wants. That's true. So from there, you know, I just I started reading more about games online and hearing stuff. Cosmic Encounter looked really cool also and was from I probably saw it in like the product advertisement booklet that comes in the game of I probably saw that in Android and was like, oh this looks cool. So I guess those can work. Got someone. Um that's that's once in a while. So Cosmic Encounter I think was my second game. Dominion was in there. I heard really good things about Dominion, so I picked that one up. And you said you heard it was good. Where were you hearing these things? I heard, that's a good question. I believe just like on the internet, I got on Twitter and I heard people, I heard some chatter. I think I read some reviews, just like blogs of people talking about games. I heard about this thing called the Spiel des Jahres. And Dominion was a winner of that. So uh, I can't remember specifically like what websites back then. Uh, Maybe like Geek Insight was one of the first ones. I find it interesting that Android seems like a total you pick. Like that makes sense. It's, you know, I can see how laser focused it would draw you toward it. Dominion's a bit more of a bit more of a long shot for you because it doesn't look like your kind of game. That's true. That's not to say you don't like it. It just doesn't look like it. That's true. And I was less, I had less defined tastes back then. And so just kind of vaguely hearing the idea of this like medieval castle empire building thing was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like I didn't know what deck building was. I didn't know it was all just cards. When I bought it, I was like, oh, it's all just cards. Neat. (laughs) Uh, I remember teaching it to my friends the first time and like following the setup rules. And my friend was like, so what do you do with all the cards that are still in the box? How do you get those? I was like, I don't know. Like they just said, leave them in the box for now. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, this was very early on. I had no idea what was going on. I I play. I would have played and liked anything probably. Small World was another kind of early purchase. That one was one I'd heard about at Gen Con um, that some people were excited about. Uh, Will Wheaton himself recommended it. And so I was like, oh, this game sounds pretty sweet. And I got my hands on that. And then... To be honest, like my my first five specifically are a little fuzzy. I'm pretty sure this is right. But then this little card game called Falling was one of my first five. I'm not actually sure when in the mix Falling came in. It is actually possible that Falling was the first game because I think I bought it at Gen Con. That would make sense. But I might have. It's that kind of small impulse purchase. Right. And I'm like, I'm at this show. I, I should buy something. But it might have been the, my second year of Gen Con that I bought it. I don't know. It's not that important. The point is, Falling is kind of great, but I haven't played it in a while. But it's fun. You're just falling. You're just goblins. 
falling from the sky. It's black. <laughs> and that's the one where you want to die last, right? Yeah, you're falling, so you can't avoid, like, you're not birds, you can't fly. You just want to be the last one to hit the ground and die. I've never heard of that game. It's by James Ernest. It's <laughs> You might like it, because it's just ridiculous. It's one of those ridiculous games. Someone's the dealer, and they they just start dealing, like, as fast as they possibly can to all of the other players. So you just like go through like a game lasts like two minutes because you're just dealing through this deck as fast as you can. And every card you can play in some way to like skip yourself or deal extra cards and you can play them on other people and then you can like steal cards. So it's just kind of this like hectic, crazy thing that feels a lot like if you were goblins falling from the sky and (laughs) trying to like grab each other and push each other around so that the other people hit first. The original version was people falling. So this was like a, a second edition or something. The goblin this edition the, with goblins. This is the wolfy edition. It needed some yeah. it needed some goblins or some space or something to make There's like a understand. goblin chant in there about falling from the sky. I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> it's just it's like it's super silly, but it was fun. Were you the instigator in your group driving this journey into board gaming din? Honestly, in the beginning, less so, because I picked up, you know, I picked up a couple games. A friend of mine picked up Arkham Horror, and we played that. Another friend of mine picked up Last Night on Earth, and we played that a lot. Um, That was probably our most played game for a while. We played a lot of RPGs early on, uh, Shadowrun mostly. We started playing Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder after I went to Gen Con. And then I just started getting more games and I started reviewing them and kind of started being the one to buy all the games and just get everyone to play them. So now it's mostly just me being like, hey, come play my new games. That's my five. Android, Cosmic Encounter, Dominion, Small World, and Falling, the Goblin Edition. That's a pretty good five for you. Yeah. Well done. I feel like it... <laughs> kind of explains a lot about my gaming tastes. It does. Like if your first game is Android <laughs> and you're like fine with that, like I'm fine with that. I'm, I, I'm happy I've played Android. I think it's... Then, then it makes sense Twilight Imperium would later be one of your favorites. Yeah, that game is downright streamlined comparatively. <laughs> Well, for me, I grew up in a family that played games, and so I feel like I was ready. I was ready when board games took root because I grew up on trick-taking games like Pinochle and Rook, and Euchre was a thing in Michigan, but I always preferred Pinochle and Rook. And so after playing those, when I had my own disposable income from various jobs and, and allowance and things, I got into CCGs. I started playing the Redemption card game, which wasn't very good. And I played the Star Wars CCG and various others. I tried Heroclix in college. When I was in high school, though, my best friend was a year older than me. So he was already in college. And when I went to visit him in at his dorm room, he's like, you've got to try this new game I play called Catan. So I sat down and I tried it and I really liked it. It didn't blow me away. I, I, I enjoyed it to the point where I, want, I wouldn't have minded playing some more, but I also didn't go out, go out of my way to seek it. 
So I mentioned when I moved to Illinois for my first job, my roommates were really into acquire and I loved it. It's a stock market game, very simple to teach, pretty easy rules. I taught my family acquire. I, I purchased a copy soon afterward after I moved out of my of the room with my roommates. And I played it with my family. They got hooked. So now in my family, I'm pretty sure everyone owns a copy of Acquire. We might have the most Acquire copies per capita of any family in America. <laughs> so, um, but they they all really enjoyed the game too. So we played a lot of that, and that was pretty much the only hobby game I had for a while. I still played other games. I really liked Canasta. And, and some things. I remembered playing Catan with my friend and really enjoying it. So I put it on my Christmas list and I got that for Christmas one year. And then another year I got Carcassonne, which I had seen in when living with my roommates. We always played Acquire, but I had seen Carcassonne there and it looked interesting. I had actually gotten a chance to play it a few Christmases before I bought it. I played with my brothers-in-law and one of my brothers-in-law has really bad analysis paralysis. And so my first game of Carcassonne was two and a half hours. Ouch. So I almost didn't play it ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, like four games of Carcassonne. Yeah. It really should not be that long. They were analyzing every tile. It was like part negotiation game it just wasn't wasn't very fun but i eventually decided no that was my brother-in-law and not the game itself so uh, my wife and i played that game a lot and then in 2010 i got ticket to ride europe for my birthday and we loved it so much so that i thought huh i wonder if there are any more games like ticket to ride out there and acquire obviously that i had already loved and I went to Amazon and just typed in Ticket to Ride. And one of the games that if you like this, you might you might like this, you know, their recommending engine. One of the games that they sent me to was Bonanza. So I don't know if you've seen it. It's the cartoony bean game from Uwe Rosenberg that doesn't seem like an Uwe Rosenberg game now that we know him for Agricola. It's all these cartoony beans. It's a farming theme. It's very silly. It's a negotiation game, which doesn't seem like my bag. But I picked it up on Amazon and I really enjoyed it, showed it to my family. And again, kind of like a choir, I think my family might own the most copies of Bonanza per capita of any family in America. (laughs) (laughs) Because after I showed them that one, everyone got their copy. In fact, I don't have my copy anymore because I was like, if I ever want to play Bonanza again, surely someone in my family has, has a copy. So those are the first five I bought, but I feel like number six is the game that really sent me down the rabbit hole. So I'm going to break the rules a little bit. Because the number six game I bought was Dominion. I had played Wolfie's copy at lunch at work. And after I played it, I was like, I have to get my hands on this. Usually I don't buy games that other people I know have, or at least that I have ready access to. But Dominion was one of those where I thought, I'm going to play this a ton if I get my own copy. And it's, it was kind of all downhill from there. Your list is filled with a lot of the typical introduction games that you would see recommended to most people mm-hmm. what you're saying is i'm not special at all in your own way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny i've never played Catan or ticket to ride i've only played one game of carcassonne on my ipad are you serious yeah wow who no are you? you don't even like games i don't like them i know you're like the ultimate board game hipster yeah, yeah now i can't play them because i feel like i'm giving in 
while Ticket to Ride is great. Catan, I after I decided things that I like, after I realized I don't like a lot of a lot of luck or negotiation, Catan has kind of fallen out of favor with me. But Ticket to Ride I still think is great. I think a lot of people have played Catan as one of their early games, uh, whether or not they're more casual players or started to get into the hobby. It's funny because my family kind of hates Catan, like my my immediate family, but my extended family like loved it. Like I was introduced to Catan pretty early on. I think I was maybe in junior high, eighth grade, or uh, maybe freshman year of high school, just from like cousins, and it became like a staple of our yearly camping trip. People were just always playing it, but my immediate family like couldn't stand it. They get so mad. Because of the dice. They didn't have the patience to like accept that their number wouldn't get rolled every turn. So they'd just mm-hmm. get mad. Yeah, so that's that's a story about Catan. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar experience though, John, you mentioned when you played Ticket to Ride and you loved it. Like and you had that feeling of like there's gotta be more games out there like this. Like I had that experience with Catan where I was like, This is a really interesting game. Mm-hmm. And I could understand the frustration people were having with with the randomness and the dice rolling. I don't think that it's really a huge flaw in the game. I think that's just the way it is. But no. uh, I, I had that same sense of like, there has to be more games out there that are like interesting and strategic and not too hard to learn. And it just, it took me more time to find them. I didn't have Amazon when I was in high school, really. <laughs> I, I, I know from what i've read of other people they had to special order these from germany i feel like, <laughs> like oh, i put in I the found, least possible amount of work i found a german bean farming game like oh <laughs> it did seem really cool like when my family would be where did you hear of this and it, it was kind of this you know i was opening my bag of treasures for them that i had gotten from all over the world and now it's kind of still like that when I go to family gatherings. They're like, where'd you get this? I'm like, oh, I imported it from Germany with, you know, this year's Amazon The Mind and De Quacksalber von Quedlinburg. You know, it, eh. <laughs> now I really do import from Germany. But even then, it, it looked like I did. That is the way to be cool. Foreign is cool. So you can get those foreign games. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm on it. That's what that's why I have Ticket to Ride Europe and not just boring Ticket to Ride. <laughs> I didn't mean to cast you in a generic light, uh, John. <laughs> I was just noting that you know your games here are kind of the introductory levels, and they seem to be the same games that are still recommended today to for introductory board gaming. I would say, with the exception that, of Acquire, Acquire doesn't yeah, doesn't get much love these days. That's true. I. Is it still in print? Kind of. Hasbro reprinted it recently. Sid Saxon's name isn't even on the box. It looks nicer than the older editions, but they changed some of the rules. And it, eh, I, I think everyone is kind of kind of nervous about that. Like, it's worked for 40, 50 years. Why do we need, why do we need something new? Well, I just think it's, I wonder if, if there are better games that we could use now with so many games that have come out since then to use as introductory games. I've, I think we've all kind of passed, moved past the introductory games, so maybe we're not mm-hmm. the most familiar with them. 
I don't know. Just I think that um, there's something to be said for just like the straightforwardness of Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride. Like they're just so they're straightforward, but they're still interesting. And mm-hmm. a lot of games have taken those concepts and like done new things with them, but it, like it's not quite as pure of an experience. Like it's not just like straightforward and easy to grasp. So I still still see like Ticket to Ride being a very popular intro game that people discover and carcassonne is just like so like simple and clean and pure that it's just like yeah like it's just easy to introduce as opposed to isle of sky or something which seems much more complicated to someone who hasn't played games before Mm -hmm. i think one of the reasons why acquire isn't recommended as much is not that we've necessarily moved past it but i think stock stock holding is a mechanism isn't looked on in favor these days kind of like auctions auctions had their heyday with all of reiner knizzi's early releases they're getting re-released now but people still kind of have this aversion to auctions i don't know why they're awesome <laughs> but especially for an introductory game even though the rules of acquire are pretty simple it doesn't have a lot of guardrails so if you play poorly you will do poorly right <laughs> Whereas in Ticket to Ride, you'll still lose if you play poorly, but you might not know it. <laughs> it's killing you softly. Sure. Yeah, at least you did something. You made a couple of routes mm-hmm. here and there. Do you think you could give this list to someone who's just interested in gaming and use that as a template for them? That's a good question. In in some ways, I'm not really a believer in gateway games even though you look at my list and they're all (laughs) what would be classified as gateway games. Because I think really any game can be a gateway game for somebody if they're interested enough in it. Like so Android. Android. (laughs) Yes. Android, for example, or like I've introduced power grid to people who have never played board games before. And they're just completely enamored. I think, it's a question of what, what they're interested in. I think these are good choices. I think pretty much anybody can play them. So in, in that respect, you could show it to anybody, but I don't know that I don't know that just anybody would play one of these and say, I have to have more board games in my life. For the record, Android is not a good gateway game at all. I cannot <laughs> recommend it. It worked for me because I'm a super nerd. I'm pretty sure that some people I taught it to were kind of like less eager to learn any new games in the future yeah. because their their reference was like, oh, I'm going to be sitting for an hour and a half just learning the rules. It looks like the kind of arcane game that you would expect from when people hear Dungeons and Dragons. I'm assuming they feel similar to similarly to how someone who sits down to Android would feel. It's just like you're going deeper and deeper into something that you don't understand. Yeah. And that makes you a little bit feel a little bit weird. Yeah. 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 So that was my list. Acquire, Catan, Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, Bonanza, and my cheater one of Dominion. But Alex, you said that you haven't played any of these gateway type games. So what were your first five games? Yeah, so when I got back to the States, I really wanted to pick up a board game. So I went into a strip mall game store, much like Wolfie described. It was a little bit overwhelming. It was a lot of bit overwhelming. <laughs> there were more games there than I could even imagine. And I just browsed and browsed. I was probably there 
30, 45 minutes just looking at games and having sticker shock at all the prices and how much, how expensive they actually were. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind and having no job at the time, but a little bit of money saved up, I purchased my first game. It was Citadels, uh, mostly because it was about 20 bucks at the (laughs) time. So uh, it looked interesting enough. It had a nice blue cover and it was small and compact. That was kind of interesting to me. And the price was good, so I left with it. And it's a role selection game. It's been around for 20 years now. Is that right? Something like that. And we had fun. It's a nice little bluffing, role selection, city building type thing. We we played that game out. The cards are worn. The box is all white. Probably sun bleached at this point. Um, So we really played it all out. But it really wasn't enough to really sustain my thirst and hunger for board gaming it's just a simple card game so with that in mind i went back to mr scott nicholson's board game with scott series and i browsed them a little bit uh from there i went to board game geek and kind of like i felt when i walked into the board game store i was completely overwhelmed by this arcane website even at the time back 10 years ago it was uh still wickedly out of date (laughs) and capsule. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what time, but it definitely is. And I think either it was either the number one or two game at the time was Agricola. And the game that it was competing with was Twilight Struggle. And that didn't look interesting to me at all. So I said, I'll pick up Agricola. And I went to the store and I plunked down 60 or $70, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And okay, so I brought it home and we played it uh, multiple, multiple times over just a few weeks. We had a great time with that game. And that really showed me a different part of what gaming's, what games could be. And that was really what solidified my love of board games. It was this kind of mundane concept that you're a farmer uh, just trying to eke out a living from the dry earth. And at the end of the game, you have uh, more sheep than you started with. And it was a pretty, pretty cool little story. And I kind of like what you were saying, uh, John. It was It's not an easy game to start off with, but... I was invested in it and all the people that I played it with, they were interested in it as well Mm -hmm. and they were willing to give it a shot. And I think it worked really well for us as an introductory game because it is so, everything just makes sense in that game. Uh, Farming, the way that your seeds multiply, the way that the animals multiply, having to feed your people, all this just made sense and the rules were just secondhand to that. So we had a really good time with that one. I don't have any more interesting stories on, on where the other games came from. I just picked them up over time. Uh, the next time I picked up was Stone Age, and it was kind of like Agricola, very similar uh, worker placement. You're trying to breed your people, go out hunting, go farming. So kind of a similar vibe. And it was fun enough, but with Agricola casting this really large shadow, it didn't really live up. So from there, I moved on to Galaxy Trucker, which just seemed kind of ludicrous on the surface that you're base trucker and with this real-time element and things will fall apart. It just seemed kind of insane. And after that, I picked up Race for the Galaxy, which is another space game. And I was headed down the dark path of, of Wolfiedom there. <laughs> it's a great, it's a very dark path. But I... Because I, I, it's, uh, it's in space. <laughs> While they're both very different games, I learned very similar lessons from those games that even though I liked Galaxy Trucker and even though I liked Race for the Galaxy, 
the people that I play them with kind of despise them. They either could not wrap their heads around the race for the galaxy icons and just threw their cards down in desperation or in galaxy trekker, they just fell woefully behind in the real time strategy and they just didn't want to play it again. Mm -hmm. And then I learned from that, that I should need to cater the games that I buy, not just for myself, but for the people that I intend to play them with. Mm -hmm. That's a, it was an expensive lesson. (laughs) (laughs) It is an expensive lesson. I'm still learning that from my copy of Container sitting unplayed. It wasn't quite that expensive. (laughs) So what do you think your first five games say about you, Alex? What do you think they say about your taste? I don't think they say a lot about my taste. I was just kind of grabbing willy-nilly off the shelves. So you're a follower. You're a sheep. uh, (laughs) Is that a Agricola reference? (laughs) Take it for what you will. Uh, just about the only game that I'm still actively playing is uh, Agricola. The other ones, they kind of helped me define my tastes and learned what I like and what I don't like. So I'm not dissatisfied that I play them and that I own them, just that uh, they're kind of part of my journey, the, the stepping stones to the man I am today. So they're, they're to blame, I guess. Hmm. What about your, your first five, Wolfie? Which ones do you still have and which ones do you still play? I actually own every single one of... No, that's false. I do not have Android anymore. I still have Cosmic Encounter. I still have Dominion. I still have Small World. And I still have Falling. I think that those games are actually fairly representative of my taste, uh, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. There's just kind of a mixture of like the crazy wild space games with lots of powers and negotiation and betrayal and then there's kind of the more mechanics oriented dominion type thing where you know it's that's not my favorite i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lean toward euros most of the time but there is a place for that in in what i like to play small world is sort of in the middle there where it's, it's thematic and there's silly powers but it is still kind of got the the mechanics focus going on it's simple and streamlined it just kind of puts the strategy front and center and then falling is just kind of like the silly hectic group game that just kind of you use to get people kind of loosened up and having fun and just like quick quick bites you know mm-hmm I think my go-to quick bite game now is you got to be kidding me, but which is pretty great. It's pretty, it's, it's nice. It doesn't take as much energy. So, yeah, I mean, my tastes have definitely grown and developed and refined over the years. I'm learning what I like and, and don't like. I still, I, I know pretty well what I like and don't like. I know I don't like auction games. I know I don't like bare bones resource efficiency games like splendor i know i do like big complex games with crazy goals and sci-fi settings and all kinds of things but i do i do try to you know try things every once in a while outside of that and try and discover new things so john i'm glad you live nearby me because i get most of that through you (laughs) it's true I'm, you're my friend that makes me play 
<laughs> long thematic games that I probably wouldn't play otherwise, and I'm the one that makes you play short, boring ones that you wouldn't play. We should do sometimes midi- medium sized. We should ones. do more of that. It's been a while. Yeah, Alex, I, I'm interested. I I was just thinking, looking at your list again, that I know that looks are something that's very important to you, the aesthetics of the game. And of your first five, I'm not sure that that necessarily... (laughs) I'm not sure that, uh, aside from Agricola, which is very pretty, and Stone Age, which has decent components, I'm not sure that either any of those seem like your kind of games aesthetically. So how, how did your aesthetic taste develop from these? I think you're underselling Stone Age. It has a leather cup. <laughs> That's true. The smelly leather cup. I, I don't know. I think they all have pretty decent artwork in terms of illustration quality. The Stone Age map is actually this really nice painting that Michael Menzel, I believe. And he always does pretty nice things. I think the least uh, beautiful game on the list is Race for the Galaxy, which mm, it's art. Uh and Galaxy Trekker kind of got by on its charm and its whimsy, and it's got really quite entertaining. Even through the rulebook, it's entertaining, and and through all the systems and all the little details in in the artwork and the little uh, alien figurines. I think they're all decently aesthetically pleasing. And in terms of Agricola, I like I mentioned, I had a choice between Twilight Struggle and Agricola. And as soon as I saw pictures of Twilight Struggle, I knew that that wasn't something for me. <laughs> this was not inviting or attractive at no. all. So Agricola was was nice and bright and vibrant and had nice illustrations. So I think that's kind of what mostly formed kind of the taste that I'm looking for these days. If you could change one game on your first five list and make it something different, would you? Or And what would you change it to if you could? kind of like what Alex was saying. I don't know. I don't know that I would change any of them because I think all of them helped form my taste. I kind of needed to play these games. I I didn't say which ones I still have. I think the only ones I still own are Dominion if we're allowed to count that Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne. I I no longer have Catan. Even Acquire, I had the fancy 1999 edition and I realized it just wasn't getting played. So I got rid of that, which was very sad at the time. And Bonanza, oh boy. <laughs> my, my family still has many copies and I let them play play it as much as they want. But I don't know. I don't think that I would change any of those games or even playing them as much as I did because I learned from each of them that I like simple mechanical hooks that are easy to teach and explain because then you get to the fun faster. I like heavy economic games, but I play heavy economic games with my friends. These are the kinds of games that I play with my family. And I love the times that we spent growing closer to each other around games that they didn't have to constantly question, am I playing this right? So I think they were good games. Yeah, I don't regret all the games that I have, but I do wish that I probably wouldn't have picked up Galaxy Trucker. (laughs) Because it was so expensive. I think it was about $80. <laughs> yeah, the game. And Ouch! Like I said, yeah. And like I said, it, it was fun enough, but it just wasn't going to fly with my group. And getting rid of it was kind of a hassle because it was so large also. So I would have chosen pretty much any other game aside from Galaxy Trucker. 
What about you, Wolfie? Would you change Android? I would not change Android. I, <laughs> I may, if I could, I may, I might have, you know, changed who I necessarily tried to teach it to. Uh, maybe stuck with stuck that with my group, and maybe went with some other games uh, with family members and other people outside of my hardcore nerd group. Uh, but I I agree with you guys. I think the games that the games that I played and got early on kind of helped me learn and get into the hobby and start to discover my own tastes well it was nice to hear what brought what brought you all here thank you for listening you've been listening to breathing flames the isolatethedragon.com podcast you can find all of our reviews on isolatethedragon.com you can find us on twitter facebook google plus our board game geek guild the comment section of our podcast and we are also available at email at isolatethedragon.com is it podcast at isolatedragon.com? No, I think it's isolatedpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also pod, find us. Pod, technically, what? technically, podcast at isolatedragon.com will come to me. Because I, I have a catch-all, oh. so we can make up any email address we want. As long as it's at isolatedragon.com, and I get it. But... Okay, so it's, but it, but it, it's isolate the podcast. Yeah at gmail you can change it up every week then i guess this week's email address <laughs> you can that's, al- how we, that's how we filter out <laughs> yeah, bots right. and spammers and trolls oh that's right we could do that you can also email us at isolatethepodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you thank you so much for listening and keep slaying dragons Woo-hoo.